I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to an- another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. Joining me on the other line, lounging from the Satellite Branch in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Yeah, I think. Everything, what? Everything is so unsure now. When you said lounging, all I could think was the funny internet meme, because I'm old, <laughs> about uh, how... Now people know why uh, medieval paintings are just a bunch of ladies, fat ladies, lounging around with boobs out. Because <laughs> there was nothing to do, and plague was everywhere. Everywhere. Friends, I'm unsure on what episode this is, but if you want to go back and tell me, you can follow us wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, Google, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever. Give us a follow or a subscribe, and at that point, you don't have to leave your house ever again because brought to you on the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip, your man. Chauncey Basilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. It's going to bring those episodes directly to your device. And then, and then, Caitlin. Yeah? You can swing on over to twitter.com slash geekdownpod and let me know how many episodes we actually have or what day it is. That would be helpful too. That would be good. <laughs> we both agree. That would be helpful. Swing on through. Let me know what day it is because I have, feel like I have not known in a very long time. Uh, yes, Twitter, email geekdownpod at gmail.com or Facebook at facebook.com slash geekdownpod. That's where that lives as well. I mean, whatever. Whatever. Um, to, answer, to answer some questions that I have received. You've received questions. Um, I have some questions. Fantastic. Before we finish the spiel, just while I'm remembering, because we know what my memory is like. Yeah. Um, a, no, Chauncey cannot get coronavirus. He is an elf. Um, and cannot get uh, our peasant diseases. No documented and, cases of elvish coronavirus. No. And uh, um, B, he is, in fact, a Muslim and is celebrating Ramadan right now. So, happy Ramadan to Chauncey and all our Muslim fans out there. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm blanking. What's the, what's the phrase? Um, uh, Ramadan Mubarak? No, I'm confused. That, that's for Eid. That's for the end of Ramadan. Um, let me just see. Eid Mubarak, Eid Mubarak is when, when Eid happens. When it's over? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ramadan Mubarak. There's another one for when it's over. Okay. Well, all of that then for Chauncey and for all of our Muslim listeners. If you would like to support this endeavor financially so we can, uh, you know, invest in some cultural sensitivity courses so we don't have to Google the proper thing to say at Ramadan. (laughs) (laughs) Buy us a coffee. KO-FI.com slash GeekDownPod. Always appreciated because we do love a good coffee. Yeah. Or tea for me. Tea for Kate. Coffee yeah. for me. I'm a little low key today, friends. I'm only on cup two for the day, so I did. I did good this week, Kate. I cut myself down. I cut, cut my consumption down by half for most oh, of the good. week. Oh, so good. Most you're for not most at of the week. Four anymore. Not four anymore. Damn, son. <laughs> we're trying. Today I got up really early, so we might not. That might not hold, but we're trying to um, 
as we've been going through the weeks, so I can't remember all of them, but I know last week was depression week before that was e-commerce week. I don't really remember. What was the week before that? Um, The first couple of weeks we said, we're like, cool vacation camping. It's like camping. It's like everybody's taking a vacation together. Cool. And then started getting a little sad. And then there was an uptick because I was like, man, fuck it. I'm gonna just spend all this government money. I'm getting on stuff I don't need and stuff I do need, but I'm still not getting shipped to me in a timely fashion. Bezos. Shots fired! Shots fired! And then we moved to Depression Week, and now I... What week are we on? Fed Up Week? Um, <laughs> Recla- yeah, trying is- to reclaim my weight, my life week? This is the end of the... Yeah, end of the sixth week. Um, when you guys are listening to this, it'll be like the beginning of the seventh week. Um for most of us and yeah i'd like to say that reclaim reclaim our life week or 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 i think last week was just like we realized how trash people we are and that we need to reclaim our life week so week seven is going to be reclaim our life week for clarity's sake we are not saying reclaim your life like go you know protest at queen's park oh my god no that is not at all what we're saying Sidebar, this is a sidebar. If you want to, we've said before, another example how the, quote, worst Canadian is miles ahead of the worst American. As they were protesting, Ontario Premier Doug Ford gave a press conference. Somebody asked about the protesters. And Doug Ford said something to the effect of, not even to the effect, he did call them a bunch of yahoos. (laughs) Which was amazing. Yeah. And was basically like, I don't even have any time for that. That's so stupid and selfish. Just a bunch of yahoos out there. And he was getting like legit hot. Yeah. Meanwhile, the federal government has to remind Americans not to inject Lysol. Oh my God. Yeah. That's where we ended this week. I don't even want to talk about it because it makes me so upset. (laughs) We're not, we're not going to talk about it. I will share the one tweet I saw. I said it was my laughing through tears moment of the week. It was a tweet, or it was a faith, looks like it was a Facebook post from a woman named Sharonda J. Brown. It said, if y'all don't hush and let these white supremacists drink bleach. Wow. Yeah, I know. Just let them do their thing. They'll just wipe each other out or themselves. I think that's fine. You don't want to talk about herd immunity and, you know, get your Darwinism on. Go ahead. The Geek Down Podcast does not endorse the poisoning or murder. Of the less intelligent constituents in our community? No. Just don't be stupid. Uh, Yes, going back to reclaiming our life. For me, this manifested when yesterday, it was a lovely day. I don't know who it was in Hamilton, but it was a lovely day in Toronto yesterday. And I enjoyed it by not leaving the house. And (laughs) (laughs) had the the window open. And I was low-key, like, even though my screen time report tells me it's lower than usual. I do not believe that. I don't believe you. Sidebar, I hope you all enjoyed the new drops you had last week. Going back for that Jay-Z one all the time. We don't believe you. I was just kind of like, you are going to put these screens down. You're going to make your breakfast. You're going to eat your breakfast. And then you're going to read this fucking book you haven't finished since the quarantine started. And God damn it, that's what I did. I found a little like, you know, chill piano playlist on Spotify. I put that on. Tried to drown out the sounds of my neighbor screaming down the hallway about your ex is your ex for a fucking reason. Trying to drown that crazy town banana pants uh, out of my nice little afternoon that I created for myself. And I finished that fucking book, Kate. 
Well, see, there's something to be proud of. That's an accomplishment. Is it? I think so. I mean, I've been reading more. I've I've read books. I have other books to read. I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> Wait, did you buy the, that eighty dollars worth of books or no? I did. <laughs> I did buy that eighty dollars worth of books. <laughs> they, they hear it. Uh, one surprisingly, I one. thought they weren't going to show up till like May. I was actually kind of banking on it because I have some books that I'd like promised myself I would read. But now, okay. Let me get into books, okay? <laughs> I can't just like briefly mention books. Uh-huh. We know that. Uh, okay, 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 fine. Sliding out of the lane so, for book talk. Yeah, I finished a couple books, but I'm reading a couple that I wanted to finish before these other books got here because I one of them is Perdido Street Station by China Mielville. I yes. believe is how you say his name. Um, I have a weird relationship with uh, Mr. Mielville um, because initially <laughs> – Say, say, say Mielville had, again. <laughs> Mielville. <laughs> I have to do the – I'm actually doing a hand motion as I say his name. <laughs> um, you just imagine it. Uh, I had seen just the cover of the book on London, and I think it's the teen section or the kid section. Um, and it looked really interesting. Um and I started reading it, and the writing was great, but I just felt it was a, a, a idea that had been done many times before and had been done better. Um, and I didn't finish it. It's still sitting on my shelf. I got maybe a quarter of the way into it, and then someone gave me – I mentioned this about – um, Mr. Mielville, and someone gave me Rail C to read. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. Um, and I was talking to uh, writer and friend Ren Hanman, and she had said that she loved in London, didn't like um, Rail C, um, but really, like, I was like, well, okay, well, I'll read on London again. She said, but she really liked Perdido Street Station, and I've heard really good things about it. So it was in the bundle of books I had. It was on sale, and it was in the bundle of books, the $80 worth of books that I had purchased. And I didn't think it was going to come till May, and it showed up, like, yesterday. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, because there's a chance – I will not be reading the things I set out to read before I crack open Perdido Street Station um, <laughs> because I really enjoy, like, really, really enjoyed Rail C. Um, uh, I loved it, actually. Um, and I've been looking for some really good uh, fantasy sci-fi lately, and I've sort of come up empty. Um, I haven't uh, purchased or looked at the book's the our fans have suggested which again thank you very much um for suggesting those things um maybe that will be great but i'm just really excited about about this book caitlin you had Um, a system set up i know and i may hold to it right i'm trying not to be a trash person but (laughs) there's part of me that just really wants to sink my teeth into a really really good sci-fi fantasy um and if it's anything like rail c um, it's going to be fantastic, but I'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I said I'd uh, read on London, and I kind of feel like I should read on London again before 
for Perdido Street Station, but I, I haven't decided. It's causing a lot of inner turmoil, okay? <laughs> Books are not supposed to be this hard. Well, I'm not going to talk about my book yet. There were a couple news items, Caitlin, mm-hmm. that we could tell the people about. Um, one, I, I had two that I came across. Well, two and a half. Um, your, your wrestling update for the week is Vince McMahon is being sued by the former, I don't know if he was the C, some executive or president of the XFL. Um, okay. the XFL, if you're not familiar, um, back in the, in, in peak WWE nineties version, Vince always had it in his head that he wanted to take on the NFL and bring like the energy of, of his wrestling product into football. So he came up with the XFL. I assume the X was for extra. And they had a bunch, they did, they did a bunch of stuff that was not a good idea. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know if there's a 30 for 30 on the XFL. I really need to need to look into that, but I tried it again this year. And from what I gather, it did a lot better, probably because Vince was more like a silent backer at that point, And he wasn't like trying to get wrestling commentators to do like, you know, the play by play. Um, yeah. But I remember that first week, people coming out and being like, you know, they have made some like rule changes and some tweaks to the game that actually when it went some, the kickoff was like the main thing. I think they made some changes to like the kickoff, which were like clearly would lead to a sharp decrease in, you know, people getting killed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Based on like, you know, or like your turnover, you didn't have to kick for a field goal. You could like go for like um, certain point values based on where you want to place the ball after a touchdown type of thing. You know, little tweaks like that. Um, and heard it was doing like, you know, much better than the first time around. But coronavirus. Coronavirus. So that all shuts down. And I, I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know all of the details, but it's basically like everybody gets fired. The guy gets told, like, they can't pay him the money that they're supposed to pay him, but then they, like, file for bankruptcy, but the, like, largest creditor is Vince McMahon. <laughs> right. Type of thing. Like, Vince borrowed money from himself to put into this, so he is, like, the leading creditor on the bankruptcy report. Shady. I don't know. You'll have to Google that yourself. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Um, so, number one, he's getting sued for that. Uh, to amend last week's story about them laying off a bunch of people, it wasn't that they were like, I don't think they were trying to present it as like they weren't going to like, you know, like they were going to go out of business by losing all of these, you know, live event revenues and things like that. It wasn't like they were going to lose a bunch of money. They weren't going to meet their projections. That's what it was. Right. And if you're not going to meet your projections, um, that can shake investor confidence. Because you're not making as much money as you thought you were going to make. And then that can devalue the stock. Capitalism. Fuck Woo. all y'all. Punch drop. <laughs> so that's this week in wrestling. Um, still just a shit show. I get in, in the Ferguson household, uh, the What Culture Wrestling YouTube channel gets much higher ratings than anything officially <laughs> related by the WWE. Oh, and that's what else. Um, this infamous... B- <laughs> I'm speaking at a turn and Lord knows if anybody in the wrestling community ever heard this, they would come for me, but like infamous botch machine, Nia Jax, who is this, she was a plus size model. Listen, like they make her something awesome if she could wrestle worth a damn, but she hurts people all the time. This is fact. This right. is on record. Right. She's kind of unsafe. Unsafe implies that like she doesn't care. I'm sure she does and tries to do her best, but just like 
in the heat of like trying to like execute maneuvers and things like that, you fuck up. She seems to fuck up more than most, but they keep putting her in these like main spots. Is it because she's the rock's cousin? I don't know. She is the rock's cousin. There are other people who would, you know, hurt other wrestlers as much who would not get the position she does. Anyway, she like almost decapitated Kyrie Sane last week by going for like, she went to like throw her into the corner, but like was too far away and just like chucked her. So it's not even like her upper back could hit the turnbuckle. Her back hit the floor and her head hit the turnbuckle. It was ugly as shit. And I haven't gone back to, somebody said they could hear this and I haven't gone back to watch it to see if it is because I don't want to see it if true but apparently you can hear her saying not set when oh. she's on her way up because there's no crowds right now right so you can hear all the fucking ring talk oh, now no. which on one side is cool no. but like you know she brings her up holding her like by her neck air quotes like lifts her up Ooh, what a display of power and then is like supposed to throw her down if you're throwing her onto the mat that's fine she can just take a back bump if you're going to throw her into the turnbuckle you know she can extend her arms and land with her upper back against the padded turnbuckles but she just like dumped her on the floor so she ends up doing half and half. And Kyrie fucking, like, took a botch something or other at a pay-per-view not too long ago. And, like, it was fucking brutal. She, had like, had this... She got concussed in the match, basically. And had to be, like, out of it. Asuka had to carry the thing for the entire time. And, like, you can hear her, like, crying, like, Onechan or something. Like, your big sister to Asuka. Because she knows she's yeah. hurt. She knows something's fucked up. Um, yeah. And... She was in that match with Becky Lynch, too, and, like, Becky caught it, and Becky knew something was up, so, like, they, like, it's somewhat fascinating to watch stuff like that, because when people realize, oh, shit, and seeing how they try to continue to put on a show while protecting the other person is interesting. It's not something I want to watch all the time, but, um, but, yeah, fucking do something with Nia Jax. Um, actual news. Oh, you thought... Well, that was a pretty good play-by-play, though, I gotta say. <laughs> oh, Kate. You it was prob- almost like I was watching it because I felt, like, viscerally, <laughs> like... Painting that vivid picture? From your description. Yeah. <laughs> um, you probably didn't think. I thought I could go the quarantine without having to deal with any Star Wars news. Yeah, no. No, no. Stupid Jordan. Um, Stupid Jordan. In another one of these, like... <laughs> that's really interesting uh will she be leaving the project in a year very possibly um <laughs> another weird blending of properties russian doll co-creator leslie headland has been tapped to do a uh star wars project for the plus i think it's for the plus yeah. yes it is for the plus can, can i do you have any more to do with that or can i talk about <laughs> you the... want to talk about you want to talk about the chuds no! so Go in, a son. Friend from, a friend from work who knows we both really like The Mandalorian. She's not as crazy into Star Wars, but she really likes The Mandalorian. She likes Star Wars movies generally. She knows I'm a big fucking dork, though. So she sent me very kindly the article to this. And I, she, I guess she had seen it when she was looking at other news, and it was from Global. And Like the television so, and network? For those of, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Global's more of a – more of a right-leaning network um, than, yeah, yeah, a little bit, I found. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about that, but just in in the news that they represent, I have found that. It biases a little more to that. 
Uh, I could be wrong, though. Uh, maybe it's just my perception. But anyway, so I looked at the article and it didn't give very much information. It basically just said what you said. That's all they got. But their but their headline was or or like the sub headline was like, will you be watching the female led Star Wars? And the first three comments, the only comments I could see, and I wasn't expecting it. It like it was sort of. <laughs> Like, I didn't, I hadn't braced myself because I wasn't expecting it. The first one was, yeah, no, no thanks. The second one uh, is, if you go, oh, I wish I could know what it was. If you go um, diverse, it's something like if you go to, it rhymed, but if basically if you go diverse, you lose money. Like, and it was from a woman, apparently. I mean, that's what the picture said. Um, and then the, the last one was basically just like tearing things apart. Like, and I just, I hadn't, sometimes when I brace myself, I'm like, okay, Sam on the Mary Sue. I'm like the note. I know the comments are just going to be <laughs> a trash fire. Um, there's going to be like six nice comments and then someone's going to be like, women suck. And I wasn't expecting it. And it came out of nowhere and it totally wrecked the rest of my day <laughs> because there was just this like visceral anger. And I'm, I, I still can't understand it. I still don't understand that wiring in people's brains that having a woman direct or produce or the fact that a woman is like the head of Star Wars constantly makes people angry like and i forget sometimes right and it doesn't it could she could do everything right and there would still be this small but vocal minority that just like hate her and it's just because she's a woman um like they're really mad who are the people who did who did the lego movie lord and miller yeah they're, they're so mad that she, like, had them – first of all, I don't think they should have made a solo movie, period. But they're just so mad that it was her and the board of executives call that whatever they were doing with the solo movie was not in – Oh, to take them off of it? Yeah, like, they are still so angry about that. Um, well, you alluded to something like, that is also the crux of, like, why they're – why the chuds are – agitated this idea of a female centric star wars show because that is the only detail that has come out is that it will focus on uh female characters and that is from that's from deadline that's been out a few places when i searched on google to make sure i got leslie headland's name right and like where it was coming so the first hit is just a industry story from uh variety the second one is a blog post from the verge and then the third one, um, I'm not going to give the site's name, and it's StarWarsChud.com. Great name. Star Wars in Trouble with Leslie Headland. <sighs> and accompanying this post are pictures of Ray, Rose Tico, and whatever Laura Dern's character was. And I just... <laughs> Disney Star Wars once again appears to be in big trouble as yesterday I saw the news of a new series in development from Leslie Headland. Alarm bells went off when the new Star Wars series coming to Disney Plus was described as, quote, female-centric and a, quote, female-driven action thriller with martial arts elements. 
Now, now, Kate. Yeah. The reason the alarm bells went off is not that the series will feature female characters. We're not misogynists, Kate. Oh, of course not. But because of Disney's known handling of female and male characters in its previous films, which has seen females take the spotlight at the expense of the male characters and has been an utter disaster for the company. So much so that Disney stopped making new Star Wars movies with each film in the main trilogy released making less and less money. Right. Also, also, and this is my, this is, this is my favorite, Kate. This is my favorite. Oh my God. I wish, I wish I was Ryan Johnson. I wish I could just breathe and make people this mad. Now, not only is Disney's approach to the new female centric Star Wars series, something to worry about, but it's showrunner Leslie Headland, a known friend to Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it bad that my goal in the world is to be that? <laughs> I wish, I shot. wish I could just, like, exist and make Chuds this angry. I mean, technically we are because we're the horrible feminists that ruin everything for them. Yeah, but, but... we have a listenership of, you know, 35. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than 35, but they're very, very silent. I think they're all introverts and scared <laughs> of their shadow, just like us. Um, we still love you. Um, yeah, but just like, I just remember like scanning the Google results and being like, yeah, okay, wait, what? Huh? And again, I'm, I'm not giving the website name because fuck them or the author of this article because fuck you too. But yeah, just like... <laughs> Like you said, when you're when you're not expecting it, yeah, I was just like, uh huh, okay, yeah, the Verge Variety, okay, <laughs> record scratch. <laughs> yeah, it just and it really did blindside me, and I should know better by now. And I didn't mean to read the comments; I thought it was just like a continuation of the article, and then there were the comments, and like I could not believe that just like the visceral anger and hate. I just it yeah, it was very alarming. It's like this this, um, this is your jam, huh? When this I is your hear, whole thing. When I hear female-led, all I can think of is, like, Sabine Wren and Harrison Dula. And I'm, like, two of the best characters that I desperately want to see <laughs> in their own female-led Star Wars show. That would be amazing. And I guess since Ahsoka is spoken for, uh, I'm sure you yes. have many others you are happy to. Yes. But I even if it's something from from you know, that they've discovered or that they've added or whatever. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy with more cool ladies. I mean, think about how long we just had Leia. So long. Kate, you had yeah. Leia. Right. And it was really cool that she choked someone to death with her own chain. Uh, but still. What about, what about yeah. that blue chick who sang in the cantina? Or am I thinking of the fifth element? So that's your that's your one uh, item of news that pertains um, to I us. I have an item of news. Go go ahead, son. Um, it's not a lot of news, but it's just happy news. Is that uh, Dolly Parton was a secret producer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, so Dolly Parton. Why did you lead with that? Thing. Well, because you, like, I was Star Wars and we were going home. We got to complain, but now we have a good thing. So it's good that we did the bad stuff first, then we have a good thing. Um, so uh, Dolly Parton has a production company called Sandalore Entertainment. 
Um, and it was founded by Parton, partner, uh, sorry, Parton, Dolly Parton, and her former business partner, Sandy Gallen, in 1986. Um, the company produced several films, um, and uh, they produced, they also produced the 1992 film, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then basically when there was talk of um, uh, making enough. Buffy into a show, uh, she was like, hey, this could be really good. And yeah, and Parton was like, yeah. Um, their names never appear on the credits for Buffy or Angel. Uh, but the Sandalore logo appears. Um, and yeah, it just is super cool. Um, and it makes me happy because I really love Dolly Parton and I really love Buffy Vampire Slayer. Motherfucking Dolly Parton. Yeah. She's so super cool. She sends free books to children yeah. all over in the United States. She's reading bedtime stories for kids on yeah. Insta. She's She sparked her own meme. You know how hard it is to just like decide, I'm going to make a meme and have it start? <laughs> The Twitter, the Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Tinder thing. Yeah, that was Dolly. Yeah, Dolly started it. Motherfucking Dolly Parton. <laughs> Dolly is fantastic. I remember she when really she like is. toured last year or two years ago. Like, obviously, Dolly getting up there, she probably ain't going to be touring much anymore. But like, yeah, just the the love for people. Like, it was like the biggest show going when when Dolly Parton came to Toronto. Like, my Twitter was like. Fuck yes, let's get out there for Dolly Parton. Um, and, and she still has an amazing voice. Um, she's just got an amazing showmanship, and she's always been really open about, um, you know, her image. And I don't know. I just really appreciate that she's very like she's open about the work she's had done. She might not go in depth into it, but she's very like, you know, this is this is what I wanted to look like. And, and that should be okay for everyone. Southern um, lady, no fucks. That's what we call that. Yeah. And she, but she's also been really, it's important her for her to, to be very like welcoming to everyone and giving people opportunities. And yeah. Anyways, I just, I think she's uh, one of the very few major celebrities that are actually good people. Um, and she never takes her wig off. There we go. <laughs> Lessons or for makeup. us all. Don't take your wig off. Um, yeah. So the only other item of news I had that I heard mentioned on the Chris and Andy show while I was uh, milling time outside the uh, grocery store waiting for seniors hour to end. Because I respect <laughs> seniors hour. You motherfuckers. All you other assholes. Um, was that? Well, Kate, it's, a, it's something we talk about a lot, but what company do you think is doing very well in the coronavirus recession? What company? Oh, God. I don't know. I can't even. I'm sure it's a company you use every day that provides you with content. Netflix? <laughs> yes. Netflix more than doubled its own projections for Q1 2020. They gained 15 million paid subscribers from January to March. Wow. Bringing its global total to about 183 million. Um, and also has been kind of cheekily out there being like the pipeline is fine. 
Like, don't right. worry. They bank stuff so far in advance that there's not going to be... Netflix ain't going to run out anytime soon, at least for this year. I think Stranger Things might be the only uh, the only player that is going to have its production disrupted and may not hit uh, in 2020. But, yeah, everything else... And just hearing Chris and Andy talk about how as you come at the king, you best not miss, right? Like we I've, All the hand-wringing that always happens or, like, happened that we did as well. Not even hand-wringing, just, like, bemused observation. Um, you know, six, eight months ago when the plus dropped, when we hear about, you know, they're losing all these, like, catalog sitcoms. You know, Friends is going off Netflix. The Office is going off Netflix. The wallpaper shows. They're losing all that content, but they may have had such a lead for so long and branched out in such oddly interesting ways. So like, if you want that fucking, <laughs> even I have my limits too hot to handle will not be getting played in this household. <laughs> um, Did you watch the trailer for that thing? Of course not. <laughs> not my, that is not my wheelhouse. Are you aware of the premise? Um, no. <laughs> hot English people on an Island who are told they can't fuck. Okay. No kissing, no grinding, no, no, I don't know, no erections or nothing. And they're just like, (laughs) obviously the most. Hitting them down with a mallet. Yes. (laughs) They have have bells tied to their genitals. Um, My God. And like, obviously they're the most vapid people. You know, I would rate myself on a scale of one to 10 and 11. (laughs) just like shit like that. And they think they're going on some like love Island type dating show type of thing. And it's just, you're going to smash, just smash till you find your one true love type of thing. And then there's like some like bootleg Alexa, like sitting on the table that starts talking to them. And it's like, there will be no sex on this Island. Which is amazing. amazing. I think that like having ridiculous stuff on a show is the only way to, especially if it's, if it's, um, uh, what do they call it? Um, you know, the, the reality TV. There we go. Um, especially with reality TV, any ridiculous elements you can throw into it, that is the only saving grace. All I want to know is if we're looking for trash, if trash is what we want, yeah, you already had the perfect trash show. Why are you not making more real love? The Japanese show where everybody has a terrible secret. Yeah. That has to get revealed um, at some point. That show was already garbage. Like, Maybe they are making more of it. Like, come on, Netflix. We haven't talked about the board in a while, but that's just like sitting on the board. Just waiting here <laughs> for you. I think that what I think Netflix also has done much better than anywhere else is had shows for so many different areas yeah. and countries and languages. Um, and, and try and make it appeal to even English audiences, right? So they're trying to, to, uh, broach that language divide. That's something Andy was saying when they were talking about it, how Netflix is established, you know, working globally. So maybe you've watched, you know, the Mark Wahlberg Spencer for hire movie, which I still haven't watched yet, which is odd because my mom used to love Spencer growing up. Um, yeah. I was just kind of always around in the house. I just knew it as a property. I'm sure I read a couple of the books, um, but maybe you check that out. Maybe you watched it. And now maybe 
money heist starts ending up on your homepage, which is Spanish, but maybe ticks all those boxes that you're looking for from the other stuff Netflix knows you've been watching. Like they have that catalog already built in. And I was really enjoying that, um, that time show, the ministry of time. Right. Right. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I just didn't continue because there's so much other stuff to watch, right? But I think they are doing – I mean, Dark was a great way mm-hmm. to get people. I even – Thor, that Thor, the Ragnarok show um, that I don't know what language it is. I'm going to say Norwegian. It's probably wrong. <laughs> One of the Scandinavian languages. Um, the way people talk. Yeah. Uh, it has been really interesting. Um, or it's like come up and looked really interesting. So there are things that I'm I'm not opposed to, and I've always been um, open to watching things in other languages. Um, there's definitely something to be said for how a show is presented in another place. They just have a different, I don't know, feeling to it. Um, like telenovelas, right? Like if you grew up watching telenovelas, they probably have a really comforting feeling to them, like just the way they're shot, the way they're lit, the way they're acted, right? Whereas for myself, I can't watch a telenovela, right? Like it's, I just can't do it. I could do it out of, out of like making fun of it, probably one of them, (laughs) but I couldn't continue. Um, Even things like I love Korean dramas, but they have a particular feeling to them. And if that's not something you jive with, it's going to be difficult, but, but at least Netflix has options for people. Like, they've got all these Indian movies that I think I'd love to check out Um, because I find Indian movies, um, like, fun and ridiculous and interesting. I think Indians find them the same way. But there's such a, like, Bollywood is such a huge part of the film, the international film industry, that it almost would be too bad to, to have this offering up there and not sort of look into it. Um. But yeah, I think, I mean, yes, Disney might have things that are dubbed um, in a bunch of different languages, but they haven't made products specifically for a region. Um, And I don't really know, I mean, like, I think Acorn TV has some stuff that's French, but not very much. Um, Yeah, I just find that really fascinating and and definitely is something that Netflix has over the other streaming services. I mean, you're either built to be interested in that type of thing or you're not. I get that. Like I'm the type of person who like when I, I remember I'm just, I'm just always fascinated by the idea of like Quebec culture. Oh my God. Yes. That's a province away. And there's an entire fucking entertainment industry. That's like just for Quebec. There are people who are like, I don't know how like the licensing works, but there's like SNLs for like other countries and other places. Like there's a Korean SNL. Um, yeah. And there's and a fucking really Quebec is- SNL. And I remember like watching like six episodes of it one day, just like skimming through and being like, who are these people? Who's the host? Who's the <laughs> musical guest? What is happening? Like, um, What I find really interesting is people from other countries interested in Canadian television. Um, like a, I am a, a lot of Koreans of out there who are down for the beachcombers. 
<laughs> I loved the beachcomber. It's so good. Um, Save us, Bruno. Definitely made me want to move to Vancouver. Um, they saved otters and shit. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but so there's a show that I did not know of, and apparently it's a, a fantastic like uh, murder mystery crime drama show called Cardinal, and it is Canadian. Okay. It is on it or it was on CTV. No, apparently it's still going, but it's yeah. And I had I had to find out from my Scottish family about the show. I'm like, where are they finding this? Um, Based is, on the novels uh, of Schitt's Giles Creek. Blunt. Shit's Creek has been like. Well, Shit's Creek is huge, yeah. Which and huge in the United States. Yeah. Slate like, Culture Gabfest. I heard them do a. Uh, they did a piece on the final season. Yeah, um, and the, and also that show that I brought up a couple times. Oh, oh no, what's it called? All right, yep. oh, give me a sec. <laughs> Letter Kenny, got it. There we go. Yes, like Letter Kenny is it's huge in the United States. Like, and that's wild. <laughs> um. And like, but also I'm like good for Canadian television. Like I'm really excited for them. Um, Baroness Von Sketch is one that I'm always, I, pe- I wish people would love more because it is so good. And it's really fun to see like <laughs> older women get to be funny. Like things I've actually laughed out loud about, which other Canadian comedy stuff, like Maybe Kids in the Halls, but the only other Canadian comedy thing that I've actually laughed at. Um, anyways, but yeah, so it just it's weird that there are all these like pockets of things that even we're not aware of. I get I get sometimes stuff because they think I'm, as I have said, an um, black Asian French woman. Yes. So they like YouTube will give me French shows all the time. Um, so I'm kind of aware of that, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. There are all these pockets of sometimes really big entertainment industries that we're not even aware of. Well, all that is to say shouts to Netflix for making it happen. Yeah. They do caution the coronavirus, uh, nudged boom may not last as far as growth, but so people are also really lazy. And and that's the other thing about Netflix is just the interface is real smooth. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it is on Ooh. other devices, but on the, on like the PS4 where I do most of my app watching, like trying to search on Amazon is like, ugh. yeah. The one thing I don't like is that at least when I search, if I leave it on something, it starts playing. Yes. Drives me nuts. If you if you want to go through like parts of the show, that's fine. But don't play the sound. Yeah, trying trying to find the spot on Netflix where you can just like hover your cursor and not have yeah. it start playing something. That's a little. That can be a little tough. Yeah, like again, fine if you want to like show images of the show. Even then, I don't like that because I'm I'm literally looking. Like, don't bug me. <laughs> don't show me parts. I'm making of the show my decisions. Stop it. Yes, stop it. Um, so fix that Netflix, and then you'll be fine. 
Well, you had mentioned before we started recording, you did not have much to say regarding what you have yeah. consumed because you're having a comf week. Well, I see. I've thought about it and I'm like, yeah, I'm having a comf week. I did watch a lot of stuff. It was just super comfy. Um, so TV, it was basically from the last couple of weeks, the same old, same old. It was Cad File, Murder, She Wrote, and Father Brown. <laughs> I have a problem. I know this. Um, I don't need anyone Cad to Cad File, me. Murder, She Wrote, and Father Brown. That's the trifecta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's basically then. Then you brought up YouTube, and I was like, "Oh yeah." Um, I've been watching a lot of Nardwar versus rappers. Always a good time. So, again, regional talk. <laughs> you can explain. Um, who. I think a lot of people. A lot of people have a sense of who Nardwar is, but he's a Canadian institution, so break it down for the people. Yes. Who are you? He's originally from Vancouver, British Columbia, yes. from what I understand. Um, and I know him from being the weird guy on Much Music, who would do weird interviews with people. Yes. But he would, like, say something or ask them a question, and people would freak out. He's meticulously He'd be like, researched to an insane degree. Yeah, and he'll like present them with things. Gives gifts, um, yes. One of one of the best ones is when he presented Snoop Dogg with a VHS of some movie Up in Smoke, I think it's called. Some movie Snoop Dogg like wrote, directed, and produced that he'd been trying to find for years. <laughs> he didn't have a copy, mm. and like his brain just like melted. And that is the best thing. You see these rappers who are like hard as fuck, and then he'll be like who's Jim Bob? And they'll like freak out. They're like, oh my God, how do you know Jim Bob? And they just have these meltdowns. Occasionally they run out of the room because they're having like a panic attack. Yeah. Because he just knows things that like, they're like, how do you, it's, they say it all the time. Every single person is like, how do you know that? Um, but yeah, he does crazy research and it's just fun to watch these people. He'll just like bring stuff back and it's almost like they, are reliving their childhood sometimes. They'll talk about like a restaurant they went to all the time that nobody knows about or, and they get to tell like anecdotes about it. So that was just a lot of fun this week to like watch people be made really happy by an interview and excited because as a couple of the rappers have said, they get the same questions over and over again. Um, and it can get really boring, right? You know, what's your inspiration for the album? Do you like working with this producer? Like, how many times can you answer that, right? Questlove, um, on then, record, Nardwar is his favorite interviewer. He has said it multiple times. Questlove, versus, Questlove versus Nardwar is like, those are oh, insane. Yeah. Uh, those are insane interviews. Because yeah. Questlove is so delighted because he's a giant fucking nerd and he's with somebody who's like equally nerdy. And they can go down yeah. some fucking rabbit hole about a guy who, you know, drummed on Philadelphia International, you know, session recordings. Like... Yeah, and, like, I saw one with Questlove, and he, like, presented him this album that no one can get their hands on. It's, like, worth $1,000 or something. Like, <laughs> it was just – that is fun and interesting, and Nardwar is a weirdo. And whenever they ask him, like, how do you know this, he just says, you're this person. We need to know. He's so weird. But anyways, lots of fun to watch. I've heard Scuttlebutt. Um, he, go, he manages to, like, track down, like, cousins and aunties and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, like, and that's obviously what he's doing, right? But not a lot of interviewers would go and do that research. No. And I think it's nice for people to sort of be reminded of that stuff. And, yeah, and cool for fans, too, just to have, like, a sort of window into people and that they're actual people. 
Um, anyways, that's just a lot of fun to watch if you just want to get the warm fuzzies. Um, the other thing I've been watching a lot of on YouTube is like mini documentaries about stuff. Um, I had been reading that book, uh, To Speak for the Trees, which I brought up last week. Right. Um, and uh, by, oh no, uh, I know her last name is Beresford Kroger. I can't remember. Diana. Diana Beresford Kroger. Um, and that got me onto this like search of how to basically um, heal the wounds that humans have caused in nature. So um, reforesting deserts, uh, reforesting wastelands. Um, they did this huge project in China. It basically was the size of like Great Britain or something. They reforested this huge swath of China that had been basically overgrazed. Um, and that's how a lot of it, weirdly, is overgrazing um, by animals, which is like another tick towards going to vegetarianism, which I am woeful at. But every time I think about it, I'm like, I could do it. And then someone gives me like a pulled pork sandwich and I'm like, I can't do it. But anyway, so there's been lots of me watching like these mini documentaries on places around the world that they're doing this, how to basically refill the like land aquifers um, and protect water in places that are getting um, desertification, which has been really fascinating. Um, and then I've been, of course, watching videos about food. Ooh, that reminds me. I've got to write that down. Yeah. What, what, what are your, so what are your food videos? videos? Oh, everything. Everything from, like, how to make this type of dessert to this is how you roast this thing. Like, some of them have been instructional for, like, this is how in a quarantine you plan a week of food, right? Um, and then there will be a video about, like, literally the next one is, like, how they make petit fool, right? Like, they have no <laughs> actual relation. I just like watching people make food, which is not helping me and my weight gain, let me tell you. Um, but it has been very interesting. When I finished my evening watching a 40-minute video on how to prepare every type of shellfish, I said, you know what? Okay. I think that's Thursday. <laughs> I think we're just going to call that a wrap there. You're going to be making clams in your sink? No. Or geoducks. That's, I know it's not how they're pronounced, but they look like giant dongs. <laughs> they're, hor they're horrifying looking. Um, yeah, I don't know why I decided that was a way to spend my time. YouTube thought I needed to see it. It was on my homepage. And now because I watched that one, I watched another 25-minute video on how to prepare every type of fruit. Oh, wait, with the guy. And he tells you how to cut everything. And sometimes he smashes shit with a hammer. <laughs> yes, sometimes. Um, yeah, I found that really fascinating. Um, only, well, not only because, but when we were watching that video, we had just bought a bunch of... so. Senior correspondent Chris loves tropical fruit um, and and sort of Asian fruit. Like, he loves lychee. And by and large, I've been like, eh, about lychee. Like, I don't like lychee-flavored things. They usually have a tendency to be, like, gummy and squishy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, eh. But we had fresh, like, good fresh lychee from Nation. Oh, my God. I could have eaten those all day. Anyways, we also had, like, persimmons and star fruit and a bunch of others. Um, hot take only buy yellow dragon fruit if you buy pink dragon fruit you're a waste of space anyway 
Um, Damn, son. And this guy, like, was preparing all these different things we had just purchased. So it was, it was good. It was instructional, which was nice. Learning, y'all. Learning. Anything else hey, you've been Betsy? watching? Hmm? Um, oh, I was just going to say that, like, see, we're not, you know, wastes of people. We're learning things. Important. <laughs> um, I did watch Aladdin. I think we watched Aladdin because we watched the the new live action Aladdin. Um, it's the same thing that happened when we watched the live action Lion King. All it made us want to do was watch the animated version and talk about how much better the animated version was than the live action version. Um, that's the only movie I watched this week, though. Um, and then, so something happened this weekend. It's a big momentous occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin McKinnon has once again dipped her toes into the world of multi-massive multiplayer online. Memorps. Memorps. Um, Elder Scrolls Online, everyone. Caitlin, don't do this to me. No, I've fought it for so long. Caitlin, please don't. Please don't tell me this is good. I've fought it for so long. Okay, I need to talk about some things. First of all, one of my favorite video games not even to play, but to literally watch. Like, Just I'll do a thing in. where I'll 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 read a book or I'll look at videos or something on my on my phone or I'll be reading a book, and senior correspondent Chris will be playing a video game, and he turns like the sound down mostly, and I watch him play sometimes. Um, and one of the games that we love doing this with is Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great game. Like, I know, yes. You don't have to make fun of me. I know Skyrim and even Elder Scrolls, Scrolls, Scrolls Online are considered, like, old games. But there's something to be said for, like, games that have a really good world building, that have really good storylines, um, and that they have a lot to see. And this is why I loved playing WoW, right? Like, there was a lot of lore in WoW. And I was one of the people who, like, liked interacting with the villagers, like, finding out, like, their stories and, like, cool secrets and stuff. Like, I actually liked that part of it. I know some people are just, like, skip, 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 skip. Okay, I need, like, 20 wolf hides. Okay, I'm going to go <laughs> grind. Um, but I actually liked learning all the cool stuff about it. Um, and there's a lot of that. Um, and we'd sort of been talking about – we'd he'd been sort of playing Skyrim again um, – and I've been watching and I've been asking more and more about the lore and being like, we talked about like, uh, you know, the Khajiit and all the different races and like where they come from yeah, and the maps. And I was like, this is, this is weird, like cool, but it's really complicated as well. And I like that. Um, and he had said, Hey, do you want to maybe try Elder Scrolls Online? And he'd asked me before, but we tried to play some games together. Um, and he gets really excited. Partially is that is his personality and partially is the ADHD. Um, and he gets very like, do this, do that, do this thing. And I'm like, I will punch you in the face. Uh, it's not good for our relationship. So I was like, okay, we'll try it. And I actually was getting really stressed out because it's been a long time since I've played any sort of video game slash desktop right. game. Um, and it was stressing me out because I was feeling really old. <laughs> this old game was making me feel <laughs> old. Um, I don't know what Fortnite would do. It would probably melt my brain. Um, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> 
even though I was stressed out afterwards, you, I was like, "Can you solo? I was really like, can I solo? Can you solo in the game? Of course. I don't want to play with people. You know me. I know. Yeah, of course you can. You can solo. Um, and like, it's something we're gonna try. Uh, it's weird because there's only so many activities. <laughs> this is gonna sound gross, but it's not meant that way. It's not meant dirty. But there's only so many activities you get you can do together as a couple before you got to like find other things especially because you can't go out for like date night we are going to do a fake date night on wednesday we're going to quote unquote go see the phantom of the opera um we're going to get all dressed up and have a fancy charcuterie board and drink some wine and go and see phantom of the opera nerds on youtube um yeah i know we're super nerds um but we were sort of talking like we have some board games, but a lot of them you can't play with two players. We can watch stuff, but eventually we're going to run out of things. Right. Or, or there's something I want to want to watch that he's not as excited about. Um, so we were like, let's try this thing. So we're going to try it. We'll see if we murder each other. Um, I'll let you know how it goes, but I'm, I had fun. Like I, as stressed out as it was initially, I was starting to get into the groove of it. And um, I was like, oh, wow, I remember now why I liked playing World of Warcraft, because you get a lot of money and stuff, and it makes you feel good about yourself because you don't have any of that stuff in real life. Also, there are dragons. There's an Elsewhere expansion. There is. It is a little That's bit where more. where the Khajiit um, live. Yes. Apparently, it's really cool. Um, and we're thinking about it. If, we, if I get into it, um, now when life goes back to normal, there's a good chance I won't be able to play anymore because more for forests are our papapajis um, are huge time sinks, mm -hmm. like huge times. And I'm still working, right? Like, thankfully, because if I wasn't, I might just be like, Oh yeah, we're doing this hardcore. Um, and I'll be back to my early twenties again. I literally, and I tell the story all the time. I had to make a choice between, whether I was going to pass university or whether I was going to play World of Warcraft because it's just a huge time sink and I had to delete it. I was like, there's no way I'm going to study if there's an event going on, <laughs> right? Or like I get to, I have rested experience I need to use up. Like there's just not going to be, it's not going to happen. So um, it's fine when you're trying to find fun things to do at home. Especially when the weather is like this out today where it's rainy and miserable and you can't really like go out for a walk or go out for a bike ride. Um, but yeah, it's dangerous. That's what I'm saying. It's fun, but dangerous. Be careful, kids. Um, yeah, and that's my story. That's all the stuff I've sort of done and 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 maybe we'll be doing in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think games are actually what led to my uh, getting fed up with myself and telling myself to read a book this week. Because, you know, when I will, like, look up and realize it's it's six o'clock. Like, where did today go? Um, yeah. It went onto my iPad. That's where it went. Because <laughs> I got three Tappy Tap games. Thankfully. I was just about to say, Tappy Tap games. They're, they're not all running events right now, thankfully. Um, two of them are running, running events. Um, they have all, well, two, both the Love Live games have started, you know goals and shit to meet for like you know stay at home play the game we're giving you like a little extra free shit so like every day on the one game 
you do five songs, you get a reward after every song and every five rewards, you get another reward type of thing. There's an event going on on the other one. Thankfully that one just is like, because it's more RPG based, you can like, it's got like skip battles on it. Basically you can like skip songs and just get the rewards and the XP for it. But I got I got to play fucking bang dream. I actually got to tap that one out and <laughs> Epic seven has so much to do every day. I like go to Epic seven. Like I'm going to work. Like I get up I do the server resets at 5 a.m. So I get up. It's a new day. It's a new day in Epic Seven. I do my summon. I go to the spirit altar to get, you know, this material. I go hunt to get other materials. I go do the, the abyss tower. I go do the other tower thing. I go and I get my little, like, things I've grown in this part of the map and tick off all the daily goals I have to do. That takes, like, two hours, game. Yeah. Yeah. And granted, it has an auto mode as well. So when I go to these places, I can just, you know, decide the team and then, you know, hit auto and it'll go do its thing and I don't have to look at it again. But also, this will probably be better is, um, you know, these games are built in such a way where it's like, you know, any of these games, you use energy when you do anything. Right. And when you start, you get so much energy. You'll never hit the wall where like, I can't do this because I'd have to wait an hour for to build enough energy to go do this part of the you know, quest or whatever, but I'm, I'm hitting that mode. I'm still well in a surplus, you know, technically I should only have like 93 energy points to spend out. And I got like 216 right now, but like five days ago, that was at like 600. Cause I was just leveling up so fast. And I was, you know, every time you leveled up, you got more surplus to your energy. Anytime you ticked off some goals, you got more surplus, but the surplus is drying up. So the Epic seven playing, might get toned down a bit. So that's what I've been playing. And as well, just they added some new missions to Grand Theft Auto, which immediately got my appeal, got my interest when it's like play solo or with friends. I'm like solo. Thank you. I will go and kill drug dealers for Gerald by my damn self. Thank you. <laughs> what have I been watching? Things that were already mentioned. Dark side of the ring continues to be you know, a decent, decent watch, whether you know okay. the story already deeply or not. This was on a, this week's episode was on Dino Bravo, one of the legendary. There were a lot of like Quebecois wrestlers in the eighties and nineties. That uh, really, yeah, there was a promotion that was apparently a pretty big deal um, in Montreal. Montreal's always been a huge uh, wrestling market. And wow, we did not know that. Yeah, and when Vince was going around buying everything up, he went to uh, he went to Montreal as well to buy their talent. And Dino Bravo was the like main guy of the Montreal promotion. And, uh, ultimately his life ended in a mafia style hit in the nineties. So right, not a story I knew before. That was interesting. Also, who knew cigarette smuggling was so lucrative and dangerous <laughs> even still into the nineties. What else? Cause I don't know. I like to feel sad. I finished up surviving R. Kelly. Wow. Yeah. And I'm guessing it did everything it needed to do. Like make you feel sad. <laughs> Man, I was actually talking to our mutual friend Gina last night, who was a little tipsy on vodka, who had watched it and had a lot to got to lot to yell about. And you know, Gina's closer to your age than mine, so like some of the things about R. Kelly that you know you slap allegedly, allegedly on anything as much as you want. It is fact that when he was you know in his twenties, he married a fifteen-year-old. Like that's facts. Right. There was a marriage certificate right. produced. Um. And, like, like Gina had no idea that he, like, married Aaliyah when she was 15. And I was like, yeah, it's weird. We all kind of, like, 
that story hit, we all heard it. And I remember at the time I was closer in age to Aaliyah than R. Kelly. So I didn't like, it didn't process for me, like how skeevy that is. It was just like, well, that's odd. Right. But I'm 16 or whatever. Like, okay, that seems weird, but people do weird stuff. It's the music industry. Then, <laughs> you know, yeah. you look back on it while you're watching this documentary and go like, wow, we just, none of us paid attention to that. And then you learn about the whole, like, you know, oh, you just straight up kidnapping women and like keeping them in their house and they can't leave. Cool. 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 Yeah. I, this is why I don't like real crime stuff. <laughs> Because Kate wants fake crime. It, yeah, it's it's great if I can be like this. These are just actors. Where I'm like, these are not just actors. These are people's lives that these have are been ruined actual and, people, and their lives have been ruined in so yeah. many ways. Um, yeah. To make myself feel better after surviving R. Kelly, I did not even know. I knew this was happening. I knew this was announced with some fanfare. I did not know it was coming to Canadian Netflix. And that is The Last Dance. What's The Last Dance? It is the story of the last season that the Chicago Bulls dynasty of the 90s played together. So basically it's a Michael Jordan documentary. Like a 10-part Michael Jordan documentary. So is this basically like where the um, uh, the bad boys left off? This is after the bad boys. So the bad boys had their moment in 89-90. Then... Jordan ascends shortly after that in like 91, 92. And then the Chicago yeah. Bulls win, I think it was five titles in seven years. Ooh. And they're going into, I think it's 96, 97. And they're going for their second three-peat. They'd already three-peated once, won three titles in a row. Um, and they were going for their third three-peat. But... Some of the guys are getting older. Some of the guys' contracts are coming up. And the management, I don't know what his, he was the general manager. I don't know. He, I can't remember his name, but he was the general manager of the Bulls. And he was saying, like, up front, like, it's retool time. Like, it's time to break it down. You know, that's what they, right. it always happens in, like, sports franchises, right? You have to, like, well, can we get younger guys? Can we get guys, can we build for the future, you know? And this creates a huge division with the current players and the coach, Phil Jackson, who's like, you know, Phil Jackson's autobiography is called 11 rings. Cause that's how many he has over the course of like his coaching career. Um, you know, he went from Jordan with the bulls to Kobe with the Lakers. Like he coached them both and won multiple titles with both of them. But they were like, this GM was like out front early saying, this is Phil's last season. Right. Like, you're gone after this season. And nobody really knew why. Why this guy was so focused on rebuilding. When, like, from Jordan's perspective, he's like, we're still winning. Talk to me when we lose. Like, Right, right. And also you have... This was also the year... So it was touched on in Bad Boys about how Rodman went to the Bulls. So it's really about that trio. You know, the core of that Bulls dynasty was Rodman defense play, you know as the defensive you know tank scotty pippen who was like an amazing player but jordan's number two and like happily played that number two role like right jordan couldn't be jordan without pippen like jordan and pippen were just like you jordan needed pippen to be as good as he was right you know he would have been good regardless but with pippen it's like when 
LeBron went to Miami and it was like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and, you know, Chris Bosh were all together on the same team. Like LeBron didn't win a title until he got with those guys. Right. I'm talking like I'm like crazy fucking NBA inside stuff, you know, guy here, <laughs> right? But but 90s basketball, I do know a little about because that was coming off the bad boys and I was paying attention at that time. So, I mean, I just have a thing for 90s basketball. And also at this time, Pippen is realizing that like his stats put him, you know, in the upper echelon of players. His salary puts him in the bottom echelon of players. <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. And at going into this season, he had like a minor injury that he could have rehabbed over the summer and started over and started the season, but he kind of like sat out the summer and started the season rehabbing. So he was going to be out till like at least Christmas. And he said some shit at the like ring ceremony for the previous year when they won some kind of vague, like, you know, like whatever happens type of thing. Um, Cause Jordan is like one of these dudes who like compete, always compete, always, right. always, always like just, you have to have that mindset. I do not have that mindset. That's why I don't, I don't understand it. It's fun for me to watch people who do. Um, a types are fun to watch. Cause I don't, from I don't, the sidelines, from the sidelines. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, Michael Jordan was never going to be Michael Jordan without that kind of attitude. And it does touch into, some of the reasons why he may feel that way, his relationship with his father, stuff like that. And that's why people were so like amped about this doc is because guys from his era who retired have like been out there, like still in the league commenting, you know, magic always does a bunch of interviews. Larry bird owns a bunch of interviews. Mike's still like, he owns a team. I think, I don't know what team he's got a stake in, but like, he's still, in it but like doesn't really talk much like you don't hear from him much for the like for the biggest player arguably ever he doesn't really how did I hear it phrased on another, on another review of this it was like he doesn't indulge in his own nostalgia very much right so for him to be doing it and also there was a documentary crew back then so they have all this footage of that era of like, you know, when they went to France for like an exhibition or something and just like Michael Jordan getting swarmed, like he was all four of the Beatles at once. Like he was like the hugest, the hugest thing. So it's like, you're going into this, everybody hates management. Everybody, you know, Mike's pissed at Pippen because he's trying to like milk a better contract at the expense of winning. Basically Mike just cares about winning. Right. It's literally all he cares about. You're not getting but paid like enough. Winning should be more. Getting better. paid a lot more, though. Scotty would like that. <laughs> Scotty would have liked that. And also, Scotty always—I don't. Maybe I misconstrued this at the time, but he always seems like such a nice dude. Like not real flamboyant, real like utility player. Like had all the skills, but not really like flashy. So you hear these stories about how he's—he was pissed at the management and like outright openly hostile, like. Right. Like chewing out the general manager on the bus in front of the other players and shit. Like <laughs> Scotty was like, yeah, well, you know, I was upset. And <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I like the Bill Simmonses of the world and, you know, the, the, the ringer.com crew, they're like, this is the second coming of God. Um, it wasn't supposed to drop right now. I think I remember seeing something that was like, all these tweets that were like, Hey ESPN, like you should be dropping that 
Jordan documentary while we're all locked down, you know, do something nice for us type of thing. And they did. They dropped it like, you know, four or five months early. So that's going week to week on Netflix. And I just talked really nerdily for like 10 minutes about 90s basketball. But The only thing I know about basketball right now is that the Raptors aren't getting a fair rap. Says, says who? Well, they keep on like not being like they have some crazy high score. Well, obviously not right now because everything's been canceled. But when basketball was going on, they had like crazy high yeah, they had a really baskets. Good like, and and they should have been like number three team, but they kept on being like ignored, and all the fans are really angry. They're like, our numbers are better than any other team. Why are we basically being ignored? And it's true. Listen, I did some research. like I say, I said, the film don't lie. The film don't lie. That's true. Huh, so what else do I have on here? Uh, still enjoying dipping into some Monster Factory once in a while because I have like three years of videos there that I haven't seen. <laughs> uh, I saw one where they had come back. Apparently, they had stopped doing Monster Factory and the people were begging them to come back and venture into a Soul Calibur 6's create a, create a fighter mode. And that okay. brought us the miracle that was Dr. Sex Gun. <laughs> Amazing. He had a surgical cap and a mask and a giant gun on his head and, <laughs> and I have a giant I tiger tattoo. I have found Dr. Sex Gun. You found Dr. Sex Gun. <laughs> give yes, me give me your initial impressions of Dr. Sex Gun. <laughs> um why? Yeah, basically. That's that's monster factory in a word. Yep. So focused on whether they could, they never stopped to ask if they should. Whether they should. Uh, so I mean, still, still good laughs, still good laughs on that, and watching him try to fight with Doctor Sex Gun and get. I'm also. I'm sorry. I really like the detail of the flower on his groin. <laughs> like I think it's just a really nice. It's a nice touch, right? Yeah, really nice touch. He also definitely <laughs> has another gun in his ass. It should be mentioned. Oh, okay. As they were moving it, well, obviously it started at his hip, and they started playing with the sliders. And they're at the point now, like one of them's a dad. At one, at this point, when they're filming and they're acknowledging, like how it's like, where are you putting that? You, you know where I'm putting it. Is this beneath us? <laughs> um, and the only other thing I ventured into. So one of the things back when the world was normal that we loved to do at Major Canadian Retailer was a survey the most insane manga that would arrive in the nightly delivery. Right. And I like that. this is how basically we learned about interspecies reviewers, how we came to appreciate just the paragraph long light novel titles that would come in. Most notably, I asked to come back in my next life as a pampered pooch, not Fenrir. Yes, you've talked about it before. Yes, we ran through some of these when we talked about that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Yes. Also, a light novel turned into into a uh, anime. And one of the ones we enjoyed when it would turn up that we saw randomly one day was Toilet-Bound Hanako-kun. Toilet-Bound Hanako-kun has an anime. I watched two and a half episodes of Toilet-Bound Hanako-kun. It's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good, Kate. What? Uh, this is a show about a girl who, you know, the the school is a, a thing I've noticed, and I think this is just a, a a trope as well, where like high schools always have like you know 
seven wonders or mystery you know, the mysteries of the seven mysteries of whatever high school. And one of them was apparently this like, you know, bloody Mary type figure who you went to the bathroom and, you know, said the name, you know, said the name or whatever. And the ghost would appear and grant you a wish type of thing. And she goes and summons him and oh, surprise, he's there, but it's a he, why is it a boy type of thing? It doesn't get super pervy or I guess it gets as pervy as like you would expect a high school boy to get like he gets a little flirty with her uh, sidebar. The voice actor is, I believe her name is Megumi Ogata. If described when I was looking up, you know, what people thought of this show. Uh, she was referred to as one of the OGs of women playing boys. Uh, and she did the voice of Shinji from Ava. And as soon as I heard that, all I can hear is Shinji. It's not exactly Shinji, but there's definitely like when she yells, you can right. hear some, you can hear some Shinji in there. Uh, this is animated by studio Lursha. Um, that has done, I did look it up. I knew they did that show magical girl rising project, which I watched way back when, but it's done in a real kind of like hardcore Emily, the strange type vibes. Like, okay. It's got real, like thick lines. I don't know what their budget was like. Cause they find a way to like get around, not animating things. <laughs> like a lot of panning shots over still images, like that type of thing. Right. Um, I actually kind of love, but anyways. Then you may, honestly, if we went back to format, you'd probably get this show. Um, ah. Sorry, this is, the studio's pronounced Lark, even though it's spelled Lursha. Uh, it's pronounced Lurk, which is German for Lark. Um, what have they done? Oh, they did Assassination Classroom. That's right. Magical Rising Project. Um, Astro Lost in Space, which I heard was good as well. Danganronpa. Oh, they did School Life. That was the most notable thing they did. It's the same studio that did School Life. And yeah, just the the art style is very interesting. It's got a real kind of like pastel watercolor type of like look to it as well with like, you know, the fairly swirlies and sort of colors of like Emily the Strange and like Hot Topic Goth type of stuff. Yeah, and it was just, I just took a, I was curious. I didn't know if the new season had started yet. Uh, so I was over on Anime Feminist's uh, season wrap up. And surprisingly, this show was in there from like most of the writers as like this. We didn't expect to like this as much as we did. So I definitely, it's definitely a show I want to, I want to get back to. So yeah, that is the unfortunate title of Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. <laughs> yeah. Which I believe title. is on Funimation. Um, if you want to check that out and yeah, more of a laid back week for me this week, which means... We all know what that means, folks. <laughs> that's that's the journal closed, y'all. I'm just going to wrap it up for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Friends, <laughs> thank you for joining us. If you want to get at us for any reason, you can get us at us on Twitter at Geek Down Pod, email, Facebook, all them good things. We will be back with you next week, maybe in format. Maybe. maybe. Kate, and I, Kate and I have been maybe. chatting. Maybe it's time. Maybe part of reclaiming our lives is going back to the original uh, format of the show, but uh, we will see, and we will let y'all know if that's what we're going to do. But uh, we hope you will join us again either way. And we hope we are managing to bring you been hearing from the people that, you know, there went, there was a hiccup on somebody's uh, feed and the new episode from last week had not shown up yet. And they were very upset. Oh God, please, no, no. They were like, how am I going to work without a new geek down? But they got the new geek down. So then everything was cool. So we hope we can bring a little uh, sunshine into the quarantine drudgery of your week's friends. We hope you're staying sane. We hope you're staying safe. And we hope you will join us again next week. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. 
theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope that you will join us again next week for a great episode, a great tin can episode of the Geek Gam Podcast. Yeah! No, no, that's for the beginning, I think. Is it? No, no, wait, I don't know anymore. We gotta cut all this because we're ignorant white people. (laughs) (laughs) White people.